0: This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts.
1: Welcome to the Bills Breakdown Podcast. I am Nate Schreiber, and as always with my co-host, Alex Pollinger.
0: All right. It took us ten weeks, but we finally got our Billsy loss of the season, and this one stings. It's a game that how different are things if they're seven and two? Even though it was completely ugly, they didn't deserve to win the game. I don't think the Browns deserve to win the game either. But if the Bills are seven and two, we're talking about a team that isn't good enough to be considered, you know, for a top two seed in the AFC. But they're certainly in the hunt for it. Now we're battling for our playoff lives.
1: Yeah, a lock and change in one week. And this is just... This wasn't a game that I really expected the Bills to win. It's really the way that they lost is what irks me the most. I picked them to lose. But losing the way that they lost with the decisions that were made, that that's really what gets me. And now you're right. Now they're... Are in a position where they got to beat one pretty good team before the end of the year, and they haven't proven that they can do that yet.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you're 7-2, and two, you're still the 5 seed, but you have a two-game clearance over whoever the 7 seed is. Now you've got one in your back pocket here, and a whole bunch of other teams knocking on the door at 5-5 five and five, or around there. So, I think you're right, Nate. It's, it's the way they lost this game. It's just... Cleveland left them so many opportunities, and they just found a way to blow it. It it, it was a Billsy loss, and <laughs> that's just the simplest way to put it. We'll start with the good, though, because there's not a whole lot of it. <laughs> so, Trey White, just an absolute baller, man. If he plays this way for another four or five years, you can legitimately say this guy is a future Hall of Fame defensive back, and I, I don't think that's being hyperbolic. I mean, He's just been ridiculously good. He was targeted 11 times when covering OBJ. Gave up four catches, and I think one of them was a cover three, so he wasn't even really covering him. He forced five incompletions on those 11 targets. Trey White is the real deal.
1: Yeah, and the one potential knock on him is he took two penalties, but one of those penalties he took was a pretty good penalty because that's a touchdown, and then what did the Bills do after that? They stuffed him six times in a row. So... Even something like that is a fairly smart play probably, saving a touchdown. Take a penalty to save a touchdown. And not many guys, uh, if that's what he was thinking when he did it, not many guys probably think like that.
0: Yeah, and now we'll flip to the other side of the ball. I thought Josh Allen was pretty good again. I mean, what are we, four games now that he hasn't thrown an interception? And I don't think it was him being too conservative today. He's just making good decisions. There's a few times where he rolled out of the pocket, guys were covered, nothing was there. He had no running lane. He threw the ball away, and he still had a pretty darn good game. I think he threw for almost 270 yards. Granted, they made him drop back 41 times, which we'll get into. But I, I thought Josh Allen was pretty good, and I think play calling kind of hindered him from being even better than he was.
1: Yeah, I thought he was. I thought he was okay. He. He, one, he, he definitely throws one of the best intermediate balls in the entire league. It's, it, it's beautiful to watch him throw those 20- to 30-yard throws. They're, it's on a rope right where they need to be almost every single time. The, the problems for him come still throwing the ball on the field. He missed a wide-open Isaiah McKenzie for a, a, a sure touchdown, and that's the second week in a row he's missed someone free five like with no one within five yards of them on a deep ball that's that stuff's got to get fixed not that they're going to hit every single one but you can't you can't miss all of them for an entire season and then a couple of short throws yesterday he also also worried me a little bit he threw one ball early in the game like directly behind John Brown almost impossible ball to catch on what should have been a fourth down conversion like those kind of you got to hit those kind of throws.
0: Yeah, he has struggled with short timing routes at times. It's not all the time. There's a bit of those inaccuracy issues that crop up once in a while. It's not like a chronic issue for me. But you're right, he did miss some throws that he should have made. He does need to connect on a deep ball. It's it's weird because he excelled at that last year, and they're asking him to do less of it now. And I wonder if that has something to do with it. Is The play calling, even though they dropped back 41 times, a lot of it was pretty conservative play calling or just completely off-the-wall stuff, like third and four with a game on the line and you throw a deep ball down the field. It, I mean, I don't know. It, it's We can get into that. Nate, any other positives you want to highlight on from this game?
1: I mean, it's, this is kind of a positive. It's also going one of the big negatives I have too, but Cole Beasley was a big-time positive. He's wide open, like, every single play. That third and four play is a perfect example. He runs a five yard route, gets open to Josh Allen's left, and is actually wide open. Like when Josh Allen starts to throw the ball down the field, there is no one remotely near Cole Beasley. If he just looks left, Cole Beasley probably catches that and turns and runs for fifteen yards. Cole Beasley was great yesterday. He just he needs to get the ball more.
0: Yeah, and John Brown was pretty damn good again too. think he had one drop that I remember but for the most part that's another guy the the ball needs to go to him more and I I don't know we've just seen him excel in that intermediate passing range Allen's missed him on the short ones a couple of times but John Brown's been really good all year and it's going to be the best season-long performance by a Bills receiver in a long time so Devin Singletary also pretty good only got the ball eight times it it makes no sense
1: yeah, I was really, really frustrated with the play calling yesterday. Um, I've I've tried to be a pretty big supporter of Brian Dable, and I still think he's, he's the guy for right now. And the offense has clearly gotten better from last year. I mean, you just look at the games from last year Josh Allen started to now, like 55 more yards a game, half a yard per play better. They aren't scoring enough points. That still needs to be fixed, but pretty much the rest of the offense has got you, it's gotten significantly better. But the play calling yesterday, I just, I was just confused. It's it's one of those things where obviously I couldn't do their job. I'm not trying to say that I could be better at their job than than they are, but there's things that seem so obvious, and it, this happens in every single NFL game. Things that seem so obvious for coaches to do, and they just don't do them. And that that's when I, I just get really confused. There were so many examples yesterday in the NFL. The Bills-Browns game had a, a bunch of great ones. Freddie Kitchens running the ball a bunch of times. He either ran the ball or threw fades on the goal line. He had, what do you have, six plays or eight plays on from the one-yard line and just never lined up in shotgun and spread the ball out once. Brian Dable calling, not giving the ball to Singletary, who's probably your best player. On offense, at least your most dynamic player on offense, and only gets the ball eight times, and you're throwing deep shots on, on third and short multiple times in this game. There's a bunch of things I just don't understand.
0: Yeah, one other positive. I thought the red zone play calling was good for the Bills offense. They used Josh Allen out of shotgun as a weapon on the ground, and it worked. I mean, that quarterback draw where they went five wide and Allen scored the first touchdown, that was a beautiful play design. That's where you want to design runs for Josh Allen. Not inside your own 30, like they get against, did against the Eagles. I, I mean, you have to sometimes, because he's such a weapon. But Allen is so good in those situations, and the Bills' offense is so good when they get in the red zone. The problem is, it, they don't seem to get there very often, and it's quite confusing.
1: Yeah, I will agree the red zone play calling was was, was good. We talked about this last week. Josh Allen might be the best red zone runner in the entire NFL. And that's where we said, if you're going to run the ball Josh Allen, just every time you get in the red zone, let him run the ball a couple of times because there's a very good chance he gets in the end zone. And we saw it against the Browns. And I want to see that all the time. Get in the red zone, spread them out, and just let him go. Nate, even more so, I want to see them spread it out more.
0: I know they do it a lot. But whenever they come out in single-back formations or I-formations, it's usually pretty obvious what they're going to do. And I think Allen is just better out of shotgun in the analytics show when it's easier to run out of shotgun because you have less guys in the box. And that's also a problem that they only ran the ball 13 times, I think, in a game where you never trailed by more than a score. Like, what are you doing? That Cleveland is known as a terrible run defense,
1: Yeah, I I don't I don't get that one. I that's I just don't I don't see a reasonable explanation for that. Honestly, why you're not running the ball? You should they should have ran the ball at least 20, 25 times in that game. Singletary is averaging almost five yards. I think he averaged almost five yards a touch yesterday. He's averaging like six or something on the season, and he gets the ball eight times. I uh, I don't know. I, it's it's extremely. That's, that part of it, to me, is what is the most frustrating, is knowing the Bills have the personnel, they have the talent, they should have won that game, and things like that that are seem so obvious, maybe, maybe it's not as obvious as we think, but it seems so obvious just don't happen. Yeah, and Nate, correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm
0: just being an ignorant football fan here, football is a complicated game. There's a lot that goes into the X's and O's, but ultimately... It gets pretty simple on offense. It's get the ball to your best athletes, your most dynamic players, in open space. And it just seems like the Bills don't do that a lot. Cole Beasley, really good after the catch. Devin Singletary, obviously probably their best weapon with the ball in his hands. John Brown, great after the catch. Dawson Knox, great after the catch. Is the issue that Brian Dable can't scheme things open for these guys to get them in space? Or is it just kind of these crazy play calls where they're trying to throw the ball deep in obvious situations where just get the ball to one of those guys and let them make someone miss.
1: We've seen Dable run plays that do that. though. That's the thing. We've seen it a bunch of times this year where they run screens or something like that to Isaiah McKenzie to get him in space, or they run those little flares to Singletary so he has room to run after the catch. They run a couple of tight end screens to Dawson Knox this year. They the one, the play against the Bengals where they threw all the way back cross formation to get him down the field, great way to scheme him open to run. They, but we just we're not seeing it consistently enough. I don't think. Look at the best offenses in the NFL with the, the with what they do to get their playmakers the ball every single game. They will do whatever they can to get them the ball in space and let them make a play because that's that's why they're on your team, right? Exactly, and I, I think. That's what
0: football boils down to. And that's why you and I are talking on a podcast and not calling plays on a sideline. It's hard to get those guys open. But the point is, Brian Dable isn't doing it consistently, and it's now becoming a problem because the defense is good enough. The defense gave up 19 points yesterday. They scored you two. What the hell else do you need them to do? I mean, the offense is more capable than it was last year. Where are the points on the board? We need to start demanding answers for this now because there are expectations. This team is good enough to make the playoffs. Why are they struggling at this point in the year,
1: 10 weeks into the season? They have to be better. Yeah, that's that's essentially it. The blame for this one goes almost fully on the offense. I've, I saw some some people on Twitter saying complaining about the defense not being able to hold them on that last drive. I mean, no. If if the offense scores another touchdown during that game, if they even just get another first down at the end of the game, you win and no one's talking about that. And we should expect from an NFL offense, especially one that we think is a playoff caliber team, to be able to score 25 points a game.
0: Yeah, and let's be honest. Last year, that offense was complete crap. They, they had nothing. The offensive line sucked. Josh Allen was a rookie with basically nothing to use on offense for the most part, except Robert Foster, Isaiah McKenzie. And this year, you've upgraded weapons. I mean, they should be an average to above average offense, given the personnel that they have. And it, I don't know, It's just, it has to get better. Because if not, then Brian Dable is probably going to be you know, fired from his job at the end of the season. And at this point, I think he's earned it if they don't turn it around these next seven games.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. Like I said at the beginning here, they've gotten better in some categories. Like they've, They get more yards. Their yards per play is up a bit. But they aren't scoring really any more points than they did last year with Josh Allen. It's, they're pretty much on the same level that's not gotten any better and that's with the upgrades they've made that's just completely unacceptable you 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 have a significantly better offense talent wise the pieces you have almost all new starters and you only get marginally better from one of the all-time worst offenses in the NFL yeah and
0: like we've said the quarterback really isn't the problem. At this point, we don't know what Josh Allen is yet, but we know he's competent. He he can put points on the board. We saw him do it at the end of the season last year with nothing around him. I mean, he's making better decisions than he was last year. That's that marginal improvement I wanted to see from him. And we've seen him put the team on his back and win a game in the fourth quarter a couple of times this year. Yesterday wasn't it. And, you know, he missed wide open Cole Beasley when they threw that deep ball on third and four. But the quarterback isn't the reason they're losing like it was in the past. I mean, before, offensive coordinators had not a whole lot to work with. Brian Dable has never been a good offensive coordinator statistically. He's never had a quarterback as good as Josh Allen. But, I mean, now you have to start asking questions about him. Can he be a successful offensive coordinator? And unless I see some improvement from him in the offense over the next seven games maybe he's just not that good of an offensive coordinator.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, obviously there's no there's no world where the bills part with him during the season. I mean unless they get shut out like in back- to back games or something something really drastic would have to happen for them to part with him during the year. I think if anyone wants that, it's probably unrealistic um, but we we need to see some improvement we it just needs to be better. And we can we can also say, like you said, Alex, that Josh Allen has gotten better. He's been average to above average for the most part. Not great by any means, but we can also demand more from him too. He needs to be better too. He, he's been good. He's been pretty much what Bill's quarterbacks have been for the past 10 years, give or take. But the difference is he's in year two instead of a, a veteran like most of those other guys were. And, but he, he just needs to be better. That, I, and I think he knows that. And I think if he's if he's just a little bit better, then we're probably not talking about Brian Dable. If he's just a little bit better, not not saying that it's his fault or by any means, but if he's a little bit better, then this we're probably not having this conversation.
0: Yeah, I I would agree. He does need to be better, but he's been certainly better than you and I expected. Which it's tough. There, there's a lot of room for nuance here. It, it's tough because blame deserves to be cast somewhere can a quarterback hide a bad offensive coordinator? Yeah, Aaron Rodgers has done it his entire career. <laughs> but, you know, I, we neither of us think Josh Allen is that or will ever be that, but there are expectations that he you, you took him 7th overall. He has to be a game-changing type of quarterback for you to take him that high. He's only started, what, has he started 20 games yet, Nate? I don't think it's even been that many yet.
1: Uh, I started 21, because 9, 12 last year, 9 this year, 21 games.
0: Okay, so, he, it's gotta be a little bit better, and, you know, especially on the short throws, he needs to connect on the deep balls, really don't understand what's happening there, because that should be a strength of his, but we, we've seen him put a team on his back and win a game, granted against bad teams... Cleveland isn't a bad team talent-wise. I think they're just poorly coached, as we noted in the preview last week. But we have to start demanding some answers from someone, because this is the year they were supposed to make a run at a wild-card spot. They started 6-2. and two. There's no excuse not to get a wild-card spot. And like you said, it's entirely on the offense. If they somehow collapse and don't end up in the playoffs,
1: yeah, that that that's for sure. If the Bills finish 9 and 7 and don't make the playoffs, which at this point I would I would say that's their most likely finish is 9 and 7. That 10 and 6 is definitely within the realm of possibility still, for sure. But if the offense keeps playing like it has been, they're not going to win some of these games that they need to win.
0: Right. And I don't know if I said this on the air or on the podcast or off the podcast or both. But I said, I, it just felt like Cleveland was that Billsy loss. And then they'll turn around and they'll beat a good team like Dallas or Baltimore randomly. So hopefully one of those things happens and they end up 10-6 and six and, you know, the, all these complaints kind of wash out and, you know, it turns to an off-season conversation for improvement. But you have tough matchups coming up. The Dolphins, as funny as it sounds, are the hottest team in the AFC East. They, they won two in a row, once against a crappy Jets team. Once against the Colts with a backup quarterback, but the bottom line is they've led five of their last seven games at halftime, and one of those was the Bills. They were two yards away from going up two scores on the Bills with 20 minutes left to play. That's no cakewalk on the road. Denver, top five defense coming into your building the next week. Not an easy matchup, even though they're a not very good team. You have to win those two games, and it's no longer a certainty. Not, I don't know if it ever was, but... It certainly looks even less so now.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, the the Dolphins is a game that shouldn't be it shouldn't be a game that makes you nervous, but it, it does a little bit. Given the way that they've been playing and the way the Bills have been playing, it the Bills need to step up in a in a big way. I really am expecting the offense to, in one of these next two games to just completely break out and score four touchdowns in a game you give me four touchdowns in one game and I will be beyond thrilled four touchdowns that's not even asking a ton I don't think four touchdowns in one game I'll be thrilled
0: yeah absolutely I, I would love nothing more than Brian Dable to come out and make me you know stick my foot in my mouth for ripping him for an entire podcast and for the better part of the last two or three weeks I'd love to see them come out and score four touchdowns prove me wrong it's just it's frustrating because, Nate, you and I kind of leveled our expectations that, yeah, they need to compete for a wild card spot this year. But it's just, I, I don't know, I, I'm i trying to make a way to state our frustrations in a nuanced way. It's just, it, they have to be better, and we don't expect them to be great, but we expect them to be good enough to get a 5 or a 6 seed.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I 100% agree with that. I Before we uh, get to our awards here, I do want to touch on... Touch on one other thing that's not exactly Bills-related, but I think it kind of is. Bills fans are frustrated with some, a lot of things. Coaching, a lot of Bills fans on Twitter are really frustrated with coaching, but the Bills do not have that bad of a coaching situation compared to some of these other teams. Um, I, I was watching the Sunday night game last night, and Jason Garrett essentially lost the game for the Cowboys. He kicked a 57-yard field goal on 4th and six, Attempted one. They missed by a lot. Then he punted from the plus 40 on 4th and four the next drive and then on the last drive of the game in the red zone fourth they have they I think it's first in they have uh first and goal and they have four plays and they run three times they run with Ezekiel Elliott and then on fourth down they finally let Dak throw it, when Dak has been having an unbelievable he's an, one of the elite quarterbacks in the league and you don't let him throw the ball I if I, being a Cowboys fan would be so much more frustrating, I think, right now than being a Bills fan is. So I will. That that's my semi feel good for the for the uh, the weekend here. Yeah, and continuity is usually
0: a good thing unless you're you know continuously mediocre like the Bengals were with Marv Lewis for fifteen years. I think the Bills have a good duo in Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean. I mean, it's not perfect by any means. They've made mistakes. I think Sean McDermott's getting better in game. I do think he's really good at building a locker room and a team that, you know, respects him as a leader, which it sounds kind of corny, but it's important. You've seen a lot of teams just melt down and coaches lose the locker room. This is going to be the first coach that makes it beyond three years in a long time for Buffalo, unless they have an epic collapse here, but I still think they're safe for at least another year, maybe another two years and I think they've earned that but I, I don't agree with kicking a 53 yard field goal on fourth and four when your kicker hasn't made a 50 plus yard field goal in a long time and he's kind of struggled of late but for, for the most part I think Sean McDermott's done a pretty good job and it, I think it falls on the offensive coordinator
1: yeah I I think that that sums it up pretty nicely it's Yes, we're frustrated, but we also are hopeful they can fix this. And the Bills are still in a really good position. Six and three through nine games, if we had told you that that was going to be the record before the season, we'd probably all have been pretty happy with it. Um, And now the Bills just need to go out and and win these next two games here. Yeah, one more thing before we
0: hand out our game MVP. I think we have a problem at cornerback two as well. Levi Wall... Bad plays for corners show up more than good plays, and that's just the nature of the position. You're going to get beat. Trey White gave up four catches yesterday, but he was pretty damn good on the other seven targets that went at him with OBJ. Levi Wallace, on the other hand, he has really struggled since he played the lights out against New England in week four. I mean, he gave up two touchdowns. The first one, you can't really fault him too much for. That was a great throw and catch. The second one, he just got put through the spin cycle and owned on that. He he just can't play man to man coverage.
1: Yeah, he's he's really been struggling this year with some of the things the Bills are trying to do on defense. The Bills do a lot of a lot of their coverages are where they'll play man to man if the receivers do one thing and they'll play zone if they do another thing. And Levi Wallace doesn't seem to make those decisions fast enough and he especially when his responsibility is in front of him, he just gets beat all the time. All the time. And That's kind of what happened on the the touchdown at the end of the game. He, for some reason, was worried about the receiver going by him and got turned around. But, dude, you're in the end zone.
0: Yeah, I mean, for the most part, he's pretty good in zone coverage when he has a safety over the top of him helping him out. But, like you said, anything in front of him, and he knows he doesn't have help over the top, which he should know he doesn't really need help over the top in the end zone, but... He struggles because he's worried about getting beat because he runs like a four six or a 4. seven, which is absurdly slow for an NFL corner. Sure is the hell faster than me, but the bottom line is I-, I think Kevin Johnson may, you know, be earning a look as the starter at cornerback too, just because he's a better athlete. Yeah,
1: that, that hasn't really... It hurt the Bills yesterday, but it's, like we said, the defense is not the problem. But that So it hasn't been a huge, huge problem yet. But I, it's definitely something that could certainly turn into one, especially when they have to go play, I'm thinking, you know, the Cowboys game where I could see that being a problem with Dak Prescott if they don't have that shored up by then.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously Trey's probably going to follow Amari Cooper. Michael Gallup's a damn good number two, and he's quick. So... That could get ugly, given that the Bills still struggled pretty hard to stop the run. For the most part, they didn't inside the 10-yard line, which was great. But you know, Nick Chubb ran all over him. He ran for 116 yards on not that many attempts.
1: Yeah, he 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 broke off a couple of decently long ones. The Bills' defense did; uh, they were better against the run for sure. They were better. They they still weren't great. And it, it can get better, but I was definitely uh, encouraged that the Browns didn't run for. I thought the Browns were going to run for two hundred, and I was encouraged by most of what I saw.
0: Yeah, and like we've said, we, we can't fault the defense too much. There are things that can get better, yes, but when you're on the field a lot, it's it's tough to be dominant all day long. And you know they still only gave up nineteen points. They scored you two. It comes down to the offense. So we won't beat a dead horse. We'll get into the awards now. Nate, I think we're going to be unanimous here. Who's your game MVP?
1: Yeah, it's Travis White. There's not really another option for this. You know, it's Tredavious White's the pick.
0: Yeah, it has to be Trey White. And <laughs> I was watching the game with some friends that aren't Bills fans. They laughed at me when I said, he's going to be a future Hall of Famer if he plays like this another four or five years. I don't really think it's a joke. The guy is that good. He's going to be maybe the highest-paid corner in the NFL here in a couple of years, and he's earned every penny of it.
1: Oh, yeah, he, for sure. I think in this league, if you're a top six player at your position, when your contract's up, you're probably going to set the market again, and the Bills have to be okay with that. When his con- they're, they're going to have to be okay with making him the highest-paid corner in the league, because if he's, you know, and he's definitely top six, so he's going to set the market.
0: Yeah, and I guess I'll give an honorable mention, MVP here. Kari Bajorquez was really good yesterday. It, he shot us up after
1: our criticisms after the last game. Yeah, he was good. Now it's it's about seeing if he can be consistent, cause he's had you know, he's had stretches of good kicks this year. This that was his first good game. So let's see if he can continue to be consistent with, with his punts, because his punts were a weapon yesterday. Alright, so we'll get into
0: the Chris Ivory Award now for just an embarrassing play or altogether effort. Nate I'm gonna go first you probably it might be another unanimous decision on an award but I'm giving it to the entire offense for scoring 14 points themselves on 69 offensive snaps that's pretty hard to do that's kind of high volume
1: yeah it is it's extremely high volume like that's not that's not normal and I completely agree with you um Especially if we're going to include Brian Dable in the entire offense, then for sure that's the Chris Ivory Award because while some individual offensive players played pretty well as a whole, it just you know it it wasn't good enough. Um, the Bills' offense, they they had 344 yards yesterday, five and a half yards of play. When you have that those kind of stats, you you expect to score 24 or 25 points, and the Bills just aren't able to finish when they need to finish. And it's it's not good enough, and unanimous Chris Ivory award today.
0: Yeah, so
1: I think we'll leave it at that until we come back
0: later this week with a preview. So that'll bring us to an end of this episode of the Bills Breakdown podcast. I'm your co-host, Alex Pollinger. And I am Nate Schreiber. Subscribe, download, give us a rating and a review wherever you get your podcasts. Please also share it with a friend this week as we hopefully get closer to a playoff push. You can follow us on Twitter at Bills underscore Breakdown. Send us any questions, comments, feedback to BillsBreakdownPodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.
1: Hey guys, my name is Jay. My co host Braden and I run the Huda Talk podcast here on Big Heads. We cover the Cincinnati Bengals along with other NFL and NFL draft related content. Make sure to subscribe to the Huda Talk podcast and join us in the jungle for everything Bengals related. Huda.